Sure. No, mind you, I, I, I wasn't just kind of walking up to strangers at the water cooler saying, Hey, so I'm thinking about being a Jesuit. How's your day been? <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Sons of Ignatius. I am Father Niall Leahy, based here in Gardner Street uh, Parish in Dublin. And normally I'm joined by my good friend Father David Lugo in Florida. But today uh, I'm very happy and pleased to be joined by another Jesuit friend, Eamon Walls. Eamon is a Jesuit novice in the second year of the novitiate program in Birmingham, but I'm delighted to say he's he's been sent here to to Dublin for a, a placement for a month or so. And I thought, well, let's let's get him on the podcast. So uh, welcome, welcome to Dublin, and welcome to to the podcast. Damon, it's really nice to have you here. Thank you very much, Niall. Um, I'm, I feel very um, I don't know odd to be your first guest, apart from David Lugo. So uh, thank you very much. Um, I hope I don't uh, fall short of the very high standards you both have set. You're, no, yeah. As soon as I heard you were coming here, I was like, no, get him on the pod. Get him on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, your novice master doesn't realize, but the whole purpose of <laughs> this uh, missioning you to Dublin is actually just to appear in this podcast. Every, everything else you do is second. Thank you very much. Well, it's well worth the four <laughs> weeks just to, to do this one episode. So, uh it's good to be yeah. here. Yeah, so uh, so I'm Eamon Walls. I'm, a, as Niall said, a second-year novice. The first two years of Jesuit formation is novitiate, and we have a number of what are called experiments, or tests, if you like, um, to help you discern, and, and the Society of Jesus to discern, if this is indeed what God is calling you to. And this is the fifth of five experiments, um, best to last. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you're very good. What, just out of interest, what were the other four, Eamon? Sure. Um, well, the first experiment that, that Jesuits tend to do uh, is a 30-day retreat called the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Um, this is a retreat our founder devised, um, and he said he could... Uh, he had never come across anything that could help with the reform of life and to really put people on track, seeking to do the Lord's will. Mm. We we might we might get we might get you back for another episode on that, Eamon, the the thirty day retreat. I'm sure our listeners will be eager to hear about what what that's like doing a thirty day retreat in you know much of which is in silence. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, it's it's kind of mainly conducted in silence, uh, about four or five hours of prayer a day, um, and it's an it's an incredible experience. Part of the idea mm-hmm. is um, a central theme is an election, which is I suppose a life choice. Uh, and and if you are a Jesuit novice, obviously your choice is very much: is this what I want to do with the rest of my life? To to be vowed right. with uh, with poverty, right. chastity, and obedience, um, and to live this way of life. Yeah. And and just quickly, what were the other the other experiments, the other the other tests you were? How did we put you through through the ringer? Sure. The second one was a, um, a, a working on a social apostolate in Stamford Hill which is um, in North London, uh, and it was working with a, a lot of kind of European migrants who, some of them were addicts, some of them had sort of fallen in hard times because of the COVID pandemic, uh, and it was about providing them with food, with advice, uh, with healthcare, and, and just making friendships, uh, and also spiritual support if they needed it. The third one, Very good. 
was a pilgrimage experiment, which we'll talk a little bit about today. Uh, but every right. Jesuit generally goes on a pilgrimage for about a month or so, uh, normally with little or no means, so that they have to really rely on God's providence and the goodness of people to help them. Uh, and then the fourth one yeah. was um, an experiment in, in what's called a L'Arche community. L'Arche was set up by uh, Jean Vanier, and um, it, it's designed to help people with learning disabilities who are often very marginalised to have a sort of a family life rather than being sort of shunned into the corner of a nursing home somewhere. Uh, and that was an incredible experience as well. So, oh, and, and, and here in... In Dublin, you'll be you'll be getting involved in the life of the parish, and I mean just the various the many the many activities that are are based here in Gardner Street, um, including Peter McVerry's outreach to to the homeless. Yeah, yeah, I, I I think I'm really enjoying the diversity. So so far, I've been involved in assisting with the Novena of Grace of Saint Fran- Saint Francis mm-hmm. Xavier, which has been an incredible experience. Uh, there's been a real kind of deep faith and devotion in the parish, which has been very impressive. Um, as you say, the Peter McVerry Trust um, has been in Dublin for a long time, uh, which has a very, very much complete package to kind of serve the needs of people who are homeless, who suffer from addictions, um, and is a really a wonderful work. I'll be visiting a couple of schools uh, to see how Jesuit education works in practice in, in Dublin. The hope is I'll also get involved with the ecological project you have running here, uh, the Poly Tunnel. Yeah. yeah. And also, it's sort of just building friendships. Just, just an, 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 up, an update on that. Um, our Kira started um, our tomato seeds uh, on Friday. Oh, fantastic. There we go. So growth has begun. Excellent. I look forward to helping out yeah. with that. Yeah. So we, we'll, we'll put a good day's work in on Friday. Please, God. Uh, you mentioned you're going to schools. You have you have a lot of experience from schools already, Eamon. That's true. Um, part, part of, I suppose, my vocation story was a vocation to be a teacher. And I, I have been a teacher for 10 years. I, I worked as a teacher for 10 years before I entered the Society of Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. Something I, I felt very drawn to. I think I did it well. Um, but it was also sort of a, a deal with God when I was 18. I thought, well... <laughs> If I become a teacher instead of becoming a priest or a religious, well, that way I can still sort of proclaim the gospel, but I also get to have a girlfriend as well. Um, yeah. But I, I certainly do think yeah. the Lord did call me to that to that vocation in the church, and yeah, it's one I still really enjoy. Yeah, and and you and you bring all that experience and yeah, life experience and skills and everything with you into into Jesuit yeah. life. Yeah, yeah, very much. So, so Eamon, uh, what are we going to talk about today? Well, um, as you know, it, on Saturday it was the kind of anniversary, correct me if I'm wrong, 400 years since the canonization of St. Ignatius. And right, so that was Saturday the 12th Indeed, of and St. Francis Xavier yep. um, as well, in addition to um, uh, two other Spanish saints. Teresa Tres- of Avila and Philip Neri and... Isidore, the farmer of Madrid. Well done. We five, five of them all together. Uh, yeah, I was, I was, I heard that at homilies all the time. <laughs> it's fresh in my memory. Excellent. <laughs> I'm not sure if I could told you, if I could have told you that on Friday. <laughs> uh, go on. Anyway. And, yeah. and so, as, as part of that, um, Jesuits have been asked to think about the impact of, as was Saint Ignatius for their vocation and, and what he maybe has to to give to people in the church today. Why is he a figure anyone should care about? So, I suppose. I'd like to sh- share a little bit about why St. Ignatius for me has been a key figure in in sort of pointing me towards God. And so yeah. Yeah. what I want to 
sort of share with people is that, well, number one, St. Ignatius was first and foremost a pilgrim all of his life. He was always walking somewhere, going in a very definitive direction. And, and the, re- the yeah. reason I think that's important is the metaphor of pilgrimage is used a lot today by religious and non-religious people alike. Um, walking mm-hmm. pilgrimages are more popular than they've ever been for religious and non-religious people alike. Mm-hmm. And why I think St. Ignatius can speak to the pilgrims is that he articulates in a very clear way the destination of that pilgrimage in unequivocal terms. So mm-hmm. he's a pilgrim okay. and he shows us where we're going. That's, that's the first reason. Um, yeah. And the second reason is Ignatian spirituality that, that emerges from his writings and his work suggests that our innate desires are in fact ways in which God speaks to us and directs us to what will help us flourish as people. And again, they're, mm-hmm. they're if you like, the signposts on the pilgrimage showing us our particular route to God. Right. So, so pilgrimage as a way of getting in touch with those deepest desires, those innate desires that God has sort of planted within us. Yeah. Thank you. Good, good summation. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and would you mind just saying a word about, okay, when you say Ignatius was a pilgrim, yeah. what, what, what do you mean? I mean, what did that look like in his life? Sure. So um, until he was about 30, uh, Ignatius, I suppose, was part of the aristocracy in the Basque country. Um, he was hell-bent on gaining honour and prestige. So he would have had a life at court. Chivalry would have been really important to him. Um, and, and kind of, he's very reticent to actually go into the details of his past life. He just simply says he was a man given over to the vanities of the world. But, but I suppose the story he does relate to us about the moment of his conversion experience in Pamplona does tell us something of the man he was. So the French were attacking Pamplona. It was a hopeless task to defend the city. Um, and, you know, I suppose the sensible thing would have been to parley with them and, and to kind of agree terms. But um, mm-hmm. as he saw that as a dishonourable course of action, he whipped up the population or the soldiers defending Pamplona into a frenzy and um, the French attacked and his leg was smashed by a cannonball. He damaged one, right. one leg was broken, the other was badly damaged. And I would imagine other people were killed because of the words he spoke to encourage people to fight. Right, right. He, so, so he prolonged the battle longer than than it needed to, to go on. Indeed, for. and you might even say he provoked it um, because yeah. most right. before his intervention, a lot of people wanted to, um, you know, to agree terms and to negotiate. Yeah. Yeah, so he went back to Loyola, his family home, and he has a profound conversion experience as he lies there on his bed of pain. Right. He imagines what he thought was going to make him happy. And, he, you know, he has daydreams about, well, getting the hand of a certain lady um, gaining on her court, sort mm-hmm. of being a great swordsman. And he finds that even though he enjoys those daydreams at the time, the after effect is to leave him feeling dry, a bit arid, restless, anxious. Right. So, so it was a very transitory sort of happiness, uh, a happiness that kind of evaporated pretty quickly. Yeah, that was it. And um, his sister-in-law was a very pious woman, uh, and he asked her for books, but the only books that she had were the le- was A Life of Christ and Lives of the Saints. And because he was so desperate, he picked up these books and read them. And he again... So out of, out of boredom. Out of boredom, yes. That yeah, can be a yeah. good reason. The Lord will work yeah. with uh, <laughs> yeah. whatever we yeah. give him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he was reading these books, 
Uh, and once again, he daydreamed and he imagined what it would be like if he copied the lives of St. Dominic, St. Francis, uh, if he was there with Christ. And once again, he also enjoyed the flights of fancy. But I suppose he noticed a difference in the aftertaste. Before, whenever he was imagining kind of self-serving, self-interested dreams, he found the aftertaste was aridity, anxiousness, just a, a sense of restless irritation. Whereas mm. the after effect of imagining doing all of these good things and holy things was a sense of peace, of calm, of rightness. And in, he calls it an increase in faith and hope and love. Um, and so what would later emerge from this seminal experience of Ignatian spirituality is what we call the discernment of spirits. We work out how the Holy Spirit leads us, how, how the bad spirit kind of tries to lead us, um, and we mm-hmm. then are asked to make a choice to follow the good spirit. And that's what he does. Yeah. He he very literally thinks, well, the disciples left everything and followed Christ, so so will I. So he, you know, set off uh, initially to yeah. Montserrat and then eventually to Jerusalem. So uh, he was a lifetime pilgrim. Yeah. So so he sets off on foot. He does. And, and after having sort of tasted two different types of interior experiences, noticing the difference and and choosing one. Yeah. Choosing one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this is him... You know, to put it back in the language we started with, this is him getting in touch with his sort of real, most profound desires, which which God has planted there. Yeah, I, I think that's very true, and and it's it's interesting that it takes him almost thirty years of his life to do that, because my experience as right. a teacher has been that whenever I've been speaking to young people, young people, young men and women who are preparing to go to university, and you know, you ask the sort of question, "What do you desire? What do you want from life?" I would mm-hmm. say about 50% of people initially have absolutely no idea what they want in life. Mm-hmm. Their, their deep mm-hmm. desires are very much a mystery to them because mm-hmm. I think they are, some people and indeed the sorts of societies and activities that we live in and engage in um, are often at a surface superficial level. And so, and so to actually help people to tap into their deeper desires um, requires an awful lot of accompaniment, good questioning. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah, for, for people to take take that time to even ask the question, you know, it's not it's not often a question that people are even asked, you know, well, what what do you what do you really want as opposed to, well, you know, what's what can I do or what what's expected of me? Just just to give that give that let that sit with that question, I suppose, um, and then see see what comes from it, it can be really fruitful. Uh, experience. I think so, and whenever I, I would do this this sort of activity with you know a young person, I would say, okay, go on away, and I think you have to ask sort of deep probing questions to try and help people who, who don't really have much of a sense of direction. Uh, so I would ask things like, you know, what sort of person do you want to be when you're thirty? How do you want to spend your time? Mm-hmm. What is it that, mm-hmm. that you kind of kind of want to to do at university? What do you want the outcome mm-hmm. to be? So, so very much thinking, I suppose, about outcomes, yes, but also about kind of the process itself. What is it that, that makes your heart sing? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I would say for a lot of people um, I work with, whenever they really got down to it, they would say something like, you know, I want to be happy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what that would look like for the people I work with was, um, well, they might choose a course in university, for example, that would 
not necessarily provide them with the most lucrative career prospects, but it would be something they would really enjoy doing. So, for example, they might choose to study um, history instead of law. Right. On the other hand, it, some people decided that they wanted to have a career where they could help people. Um, and service is, is where they thought they would be happy. Um, and so they yeah. decided to become teachers, nurses, doctors. Um, so, and one guy right. decided to become a mechanic because of that. He thought, well, I want to help people, you know, so I'm going to fix the cars. Good for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good for him. Yeah. I'm just picking up on the fact that Ignatius was about 30 uh, when when he had his his sort of cannonball moment. That That's a really interesting age because at that by that point, people have have tried something you know and 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 maybe it's um, but yet may not have made a life commitment uh, so you know may not be married or whatever uh, maybe don't have a mortgage so have still a little bit of leeway and they can sort of reevaluate and go okay I've tried this for whatever the last 10 years you know am I going to continue or not is this working or is it not yeah I, I think that's true I certainly that was my experience it took me till I was about 30 uh, to sort of figure out the things I tried to do, the things I thought would make me happy, if you like, um, mm -hmm. were in fact, mm -hmm. I don't know, at a deeper level. They weren't my deepest desires. It, it was an incredible discovery to me to, 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 to figure out that A, I wanted to, to be a Jesuit, to join religious life, and also yeah. B, that my deepest desires weren't necessarily the ones I would have chosen if I was selecting them for myself. I mean, okay. I would have chosen to yes. to be. I'm quite a romantic person at heart. I would have chosen kind of a life of I don't know, you know, marriage, a big romance, family yeah. life, traveling yeah. the world, you know, loads of kids. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's not you know just like yeah. loads of fun in the house. Yeah. And but actually, <laughs> even though I wanted to want that, it's not what I wanted. I just <laughs> it's incredible. Okay. It's like yeah. what? Yeah, yeah, it's. Yeah, I mean, there there is a there is a certain conflict in there where uh, often what yeah we don't at some level we don't want what we really want. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to accept. Yes. Yeah, what we really want because it doesn't because it doesn't fit a certain self image. Maybe uh, we have we we think of ourselves in a certain way of what we ought to be like, and then and then there's what we're like. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I, I can say the same. Like that was. Uh, for myself, it w it was hard to accept that uh, it would be Jesuit life, not not married life, that where I would actually find be fulfilled. Because yeah, never yeah, who who thinks of himself as uh, as as a celibate male? Yeah, you know, for, it's just it's quite counterintuitive. Certainly. Um, and yet there you go. If it's for you, I mean, if it works, if it's for you, it works. Obviously, if it's not. You know, don't yeah, I suppose if it's not, it's not your deepest desire. I suppose yeah. we would say, um, yeah. but it does take some courage to, to, to accept your your deepest desire. Yeah. I think so. Uh, um, I would say I just say a piece on. I suppose I, I mentioned a, a lot of people that I work with wanted to be happy. Um, mm. I thought that's what I wanted in my twenties as well. I thought I wanted to be happy, and I could only be happy if I was in love um, and maybe engaged, maybe got married. Mm -hmm. But I suppose my experience of my twenties and and not not kind of finding what I was looking for there, has kind of led me to a really profound insight from St. Thomas Aquinas. He says that, that um, you cannot pursue happiness directly. Happiness is what he calls a tangential good, which means that it's, in a sense, a byproduct of doing something else or pursuing something else worthwhile. 
And so um, I think the, the, the insight of the Christian life for the spiritual journey is that really if we, if we all want to be happy at some level, but if that's the case, then we need to seek something else that's worthwhile. Um, and I suppose the most worthwhile thing, that which will satisfy all of our deepest desires, is God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to use an analogy, there's a mountain, let's climb it. And you don't climb a mountain because, you know, it's just going to be so, you know, it's going to make me so happy. It's because for the challenge, you know, because it's worthwhile just in itself. Let's just climb this mountain. And what do you know? That was amazing. You know, like that was that was a good day out. Yeah. Um. But but it's not it's you know, it's, it's very different from, oh, I'm just going to have that Big Mac and then I'll be so satisfied. It's it's not seeking happiness is not seeking um, or do, doing something worthwhile is not the same as seeking satisfaction. Yeah, it's seeking the good of the thing itself. That's true, and, and satisfaction is the byproduct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so yeah, and so keep going, keep going. Yeah, how how, that, how did that fit into your 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 story? Well, I, I suppose for me um, to, to kind of I, I stopped seeking happiness and started kind of seeking really what God's will was for my life, as as sort of disclosed by my deepest desires, and that experience happened on pilgrimage to come back to I suppose uh, what we're supposed to be talking about, uh, St. Mm-hmm. Ignatius mm-hmm. pilgrimage. Um, so I was I was thirty. Um, I I sort of been single for about a year. I was still kind of heartbroken a little bit that 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 the relationship with you know a wonderful woman hadn't hadn't worked out. We were still good friends, um, and I was I think I was also sort of in mourning for the fact that the life I had envisaged for myself just didn't seem to be working out. And so I went on pilgrimage with my dad. We we walked the Camino from the south of France, Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port, to uh, Santiago de Compostela, so the French way of the Camino. Right. And um, that, that's become really popular these days. It's, a, it's about a thousand years old. A couple of hundred thousand people do it, walk it the way every year. Um, and, and the premise is very simple. You, you wake up in the morning and you follow these yellow arrows, which are your constant kind of pointer all the way to Santiago de Compostela. Yeah. It's an incredibly fun experience. Um, you meet people from all over the world. You could be walking for five minutes and, and you, you hear a person's life story. Uh, the, the walk seems to have a way of breaking down barriers between people, um, which is really incredible. Yeah. Uh, and, and I was having a kind of a great time. I, I, I was enjoying the walk. Um, I was enjoying sort of like walking with people who were also struggling in some way. There was a, a lady mm-hmm. who I'm quite good friends with now who, who had just left a convent because her her parents had asked her to leave. She had a sister um, who struggled with addiction and so her niece needed to be looked after and her parents could no longer do it. So she was utterly heartbroken that she had to leave and she was trying to find forgiveness on the walks. Mm-hmm. Um, another man, uh, he was an Italian living in Berlin and he was a, a very good linguist and he, I think, made a good bit of money in the world of finance but his dream was to set up a language college uh he said you know i've got the money i've got the skills but i don't have the guts so, so i suppose he was walking for courage wow um and the wow. reason i wow. yeah so 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 there's two people who who were just contemplating a big a big change yeah you know and they're not yeah yeah and and sort of preparing for that in some way Internally, yeah, very much. Uh, if you like, kind of one was figuring, uh, kind of trying to find the courage to follow his deepest desires. The other was trying to figure out mm-hmm. why, why it was, if you like, that 
her deepest desires mm. seem to have been thwarted. You know, what yeah. she wanted deeply was this religious life. But her duty, yeah. if you like, the, the greater love was to, to even surrender that. Wow. And yourself, you're, you're, and you were in transition as well? Yeah, you were. true. The reason I was there was to try and figure out how it was that I was 30 years of age and still <laughs> didn't feel like I had my life figured out. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 pilg- so pilgrimage is this kind of maybe in-between time? You know, is that yeah, so, certainly. I, I think it's um, it provides the space in which you know you can get in touch with those innate desires. What is it that I want? What is it? Where have I been? Where am yeah. I going? Mm-hmm. It, it creates a space to do that, um, and, and and often mm-hmm. it's done with people doing the same thing. Um, so and, mm-hmm. and there's there's kind of a mm-hmm. great grace in, in in that. You know, we've all Christians mm-hmm. have always gone on pilgrimage. And it's not that they can't get in touch with God where they're at. But there is something mm-hmm. about the moving towards the goal, the destination, the holy place that, that is, in some ways it mirrors our life. And so it seemed, it seemed for me at least, um, it, it kind of reminds me who and what I am. I am a pilgrim. This is my destination. Um, and, and for me, yeah. one of the, the iconic images of the Camino are the yellow arrows that point the way. Um, they, you know, they keep right. you right. And, you know, as I was walking for days and days and days, it kind of occurred to me that well, hold on a minute. I've not always been following the yellow arrows in my life. You know, go on. Right. Well, yeah. I was fourteen. So, what, what, what were the yellow arrows in your I, life? I suppose one at fourteen. I, I got really excited looking at this sort of pamphlet about priesthood, but was kind of nervous as well because I thought it would be a weird thing to want. You know, to do this, and, and I, mm. I kind of told my best mate, and he agreed it would be a weird thing to want. Um, <laughs> uh, and then confirming your suspicions. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Thank you, Virgil, for that great spiritual direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and but I suppose the, the the deep kind of attraction and pull, if you like, didn't go away. And so I tried to avoid it, partly become, by becoming an RE teacher, though. Though I think that one was actually God offering me a legitimate detour on the route. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, by. You know, like kind of. Yeah, you didn't become like a gangster. No, or a, yeah. no certainly not. <laughs> Bank robber or anything. No. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And kind yeah. of God let me see, right? Well, you know, if this is what you want, I had two fantastic relationships, but I just got to the point where I just I didn't want to get engaged to these women and marry them. And, yeah. I, you know, I was yeah. thinking, what's wrong with you? Um, yeah. These are great yeah. people. But um, it didn't, you know, it didn't work out. And so I, I guess I thought, ah, right, there have been some arrows that have drawn you more and more towards this religious life. I thought maybe it's time just to follow the arrows, and when I got back, I, I got in touch with the uh, with the vocations director for the Jesuits, and, and then a year and a half or two years later, yeah. I entered. So, and 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 just to to bring it back to the to Ignatius's story, when when you had that insight of okay, there there have been little yellow arrows in my life, and I maybe I should maybe I should start following them. Was there some lasting peace or consolation? Uh, along that went with that definitely a kind of a sense of a deep kind of sense of joy and rightness there's a Jesuit in the Irish province Terry Howard who who has this image of um, the mountains being made low I I suppose for me that that was the lasting image before telling my friends for example that I was going to do this um, seemed like oh gosh you know that would be a huge thing to my friends and my family but actually you know as I started to talk with people about it you know it was not not only were my fears groundless, if you like, sort of um, kind of a tactic of the enemy to sort of distract me from from the direction of the Lord, but also I found that whenever I started to talk about my 
what I was doing, I was discerning a vocation to the Jesuits. I was um, going on a discernment retreat. I was going to see the novitiate where it might be. You know, every step seemed to lead to the other. Rather than people telling me I was nuts, what actually happened was they, they seemed to kind of sense the the sort of the, the vulnerability of that position of saying I'm, I'm thinking about doing something that is no longer popular mm. and many people think is nuts. Mm. And, and so it yeah. almost gave them permission to kind of share very deeply their desires, their hopes, their fears, their successes and failures, their hurts. And, and, and from, right. So you, you, you were being very open. Yeah, I was being very open mm. and, and people opened up in response. And I, I think this is a, a sure sign of the Holy Spirit. If you're doing something and it's not just life-giving for you, but it's life-giving for the people around you. I think that's a sure sign that the Holy Spirit's at work. Yeah, yeah. It's like you're. It's it's like you're giving people all of a sudden. Yeah, you're giving people permission to to be to be searching like you are. Absolutely, uh, and to be honest yeah. about it, you know, I think sometimes people are really relieved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. It's not. It's not. Uh, Something you can really talk about maybe at the coffee break or the water cooler in the office, um, you know, like where where am I going in life? Um, so yeah, when when somebody just puts it up out out there, this is what's going on for me. Well then, yeah, uh, every, look, everyone has these questions. Um, sure, and it's okay to talk about them. Yeah, sure. Now, mind you, I, I wasn't just kind of walking up to strangers at the water cooler saying, "Hey, so I'm thinking about being a Jesuit. <laughs> How's your day been?" <laughs> Okay, so, <laughs> but we're talking about your friends here. Yes, friends indeed, friends. And, and, yeah, and yeah, I, I suppose yeah. where, the, where the conversation naturally occurs, you know, um, and then people hear about it and they start talking, you know, start talking to others about it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, I'll always remember telling, yeah, I, I was a little bit nervous as well, I suppose, um, just telling people as well. And, but I always remember telling one friend in particular, uh, Fiona, uh, that I was doing it and she was so delighted for me yeah. and I took I could just hear it in her voice and I thought okay here's someone who knows me who's known me for a long number of years and you know she's clearly delighted and I thought that's a really good sign yeah you know that like because you know we're always we're always a little bit tentative ourselves like okay like I'm I think this is it you know I'm, going, I'm up for it I'm going to give it a go but when when you do you know people who know you and and really have your best interests at heart and care about you when they're happy you're like okay that's a good sign yeah it's an incredible that's a sign. Really good sign yeah yeah so so i suppose that's the first pilgrimage i was going to mention another one yeah do yeah 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 absolutely yeah and I, I just want to mention another really important pilgrimage in my life was was the novitiate mm-hmm. pilgrimage so this mm-hmm. is one of the experiments we mentioned at the start every jesuit normally will go for about a month uh on a, a walk from point A to point B, point B normally being um, a well-known pilgrimage destination. Um, mm-hmm. In the past, the British and Irish Jesuits have often uh, walked the, the Ignatian Camino uh, from Loyola to Manresa, but because of COVID, it wasn't possible uh, for our year. So I walked with Paul, another novice, from Southampton mm-hmm. to Canterbury, which is um, a really old pilgrimage route. It was only discovered, re- or sorry, right. rediscovered two years ago or three years ago. Um, and French pilgrims would have come along and uh, landed somewhere near Southampton and walked to the shrine of Thomas A. Beckett. And we did this with, um, I think we had enough emergency money for a fiver a day with strict instructions not to use it. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. so we had to, yeah. you know, just not... 
to beg your beg, beg your, way your way from Southampton to Canterbury. We did, and I suppose the thing we're most afraid of is because you know COVID was still fairly rife. We just thought that you know people it would be like leper in the ancient world. You know, people saying "Get away from here, um, right. don't infect us." Right. But I suppose that's not what happened. Yeah, and 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 just to say as well, you know, Ignatius often begged as well, like in as as he was making his way through his studies, etc. Et um, it was, you know, he, d- he didn't have um, to pay for his fees every year. He he always had to kind of cobble the money together some way. And begging is this incredibly, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a radical, it's putting yourself in the hands of God in a radical way. And, but God always came through for, for Ignatius and yeah, for, for Jesuit novices, you know, coming back from that pilgrimage, it's, people are just amazed by people's goodness. Uh, just to to share a little story, the f- after the first uh, week of of my pilgrimage, I started in Dublin. I was heading north, and um, I was putting on weight. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed even even though I was walking like twenty five thirty k a day, people were just you know feeding us so well and taking out the good bottle of whiskey and everything I was like oh my god like i've never <laughs> i'm living it up basically. <laughs> uh people were so good i thought this was going to be a an experience of of simplicity and uh, but it's just overwhelmed by by people's generosity and, and hospitality yeah I, I, a similar experience yeah. I, I didn't put on weight now um yeah. <laughs> that's been Irish hospitality <laughs> for you, but um, yeah. but the, the God certainly does make Himself known. I mean, the thing, one of the things that right. always stands out is um, we were allowed to arrange the first night's accommodation, so we stayed with an Anglican vicar who was originally from Belfast, and he he was based in the middle of Southampton, and we set off mm-hmm. with a packed lunch, thinking, right now we are in your hands, Lord. And just mm-hmm. as we were walking out of Southampton, I had a, a kind of the scallop shell on my backpack from uh, the Camino that I'd done a couple of years before. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And this fellow was sat with a dog and a child um, outside this cafe having a coffee. And he sort of whistles at us, you know, I, I can't do that, you know, sort of wolf whistle, but he sort of, he, he sort of went, yeah. um, lads, mm-hmm. where are you going? And we said, oh, um, we're actually on pilgrimage. He goes, oh yeah, why are you going on pilgrimage? Um, and so we explained that we were Jesuit novices and, and you know, this was part of our, our training. Um, mm-hmm. you're, incidentally, we weren't allowed to lead with that. We weren't allowed to go and say, oh, guess what? We're pilgrim, we're Jesuits. We're training to be kind of Jesuit priests or brothers. Um, priests. you just have yeah, to say yeah. you're a pilgrim, uh, not playing the clerical card. Um, so, you know, he right. did ask. We were allowed to tell him. Um, and he said, oh, yeah. So, so where are you going? And I said, oh, we're going to Canterbury. It's this, uh, real, it's this old pilgrim route that was recently discovered. And he said, I know, I'm the guy who discovered it. I don't believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's incredible. So he he wasn't from Southampton. That was the most incredible thing. It it so happened that he was walking two or three days of it with his daughter and his dog uh, for a bit of a holiday. And so uh, it turned out that, so we had all these OS maps printed for the route and little kind of instructions. (laughs) And it turned out we were following this guy's instructions. Um, it's, that's that's what a question. I know, I know. Is it, in, the, yeah. in the designs of providence, there are no coincidences. Yeah. That's John yeah. Paul II, yeah, yeah. or yeah. as as, yeah. as well, yeah, or on. one of our my formators, Father Dries van der Necker, used to say, "In the design of designs of providence, there are always coincidences." <laughs> <laughs> I think they're both saying yeah. the same yeah. thing. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, just get used to them. Yeah. Yeah, so that was incredible. And so we walked on and uh, we arrived at this church. Um, and we thought, well, we'll knock on the door. It was an Anglican church. Maybe the vicar will you know, take pity on us. We knocked on the door and he opened it and he said, ah, you must be the two Jesuit novices. And we were like, you know, <laughs> jaws hit the floor because this gentleman yeah. had rang ahead. And said, look, there are two, you know, young men on pilgrimage. This is their story. You know, if they come your way, maybe you could help them out for the night. And so, and so we did. And, and, and it went yeah. very much like that. Um, yeah. Nice. Nice. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I, I often, like, after when I look back at, at how God looked after my, my co-novice and I, uh, when we were, we were on pilgrimage, I kind of, like you obviously have these 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 doubts and, and questions as as you're as you're setting off, and by the end of it, I, I just realized you know God's going to look look after me whether I like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> it's you know like okay, have your doubts, but you know God's going to look after you anyway, and you you sort of just kind of give up give up doubting and worrying. It's like well, <laughs> you know it's it's pointless. Uh, God has my back, and that's sort of whether I like it or not. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's. It's incredibly reassuring. I think so. One, that insight for me when I got back, I noticed especially towards the second half of the pilgrimage, I just woke up feeling incredibly free. You know, it was a real adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. know, I was walking along yeah. and, and things would happen and it would be fine. It might be hard. Sometimes we might have to rough it. You know, a few times mm-hmm. we did. Sometimes you might get wet. Get wet. Yeah. Sometimes we might be a bit hungry. Rained on. Um, yeah. But I, I suppose when I got back from that, I thought, well, actually... How is that experience on the road any different from my life up to now? And it's not mm-hmm. that different at all if you think about it. The kind of the opportunities mm-hmm. I've had, the people who love me, mm-hmm. and kind of you know the places I've worked, um, the places I've been—all of these are kind of like gifts out of the blue that that I could not have expected as a baby, for example. They're all mm-hmm. kind of a great mm-hmm. gift, and I, I think one of the wonderful things about the Christian life itself is that the life is an adventure. A pilgrimage mm-hmm. is an adventure. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like, how boring a book would Lord of the Rings have been if Frodo had sat in the house? You know, yeah. it would have been rubbish, and Frodo sat in the house, yeah. and the end. But I, I suppose the Christian life, the pilgrimage to God through the terrain of this world, is just yeah. such an exciting adventure. You know, people think. Yeah. Sometimes say, oh, you know, thing I hear about, you know, faith and religion is it's so boring. It is anything but. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, j- j- yeah. Just because there's no, you know, laser beams and you know, bright lights. Yeah, yeah. That that does not mean it's boring. There, there, are, there are certain. Yeah, it's it's wrong to to portray the Christian life as. As sedate in some yeah, I think way. so you know it's it's yeah I mean Jesus said I offer you life and life to the full so yeah well let's let's be having that then <laughs> yeah yeah um, and I think yeah. it, it strikes me that at the at this particular moment in time in I suppose the West this idea of, of pilgrimage, which are becoming more popular, you know, this, Im- this image is very important to people of, of all faiths and none. Um, I, I think our deepest desires are very important. Um, in a postmodern world, people, you know, are kind of, I suppose, they understand the language of desire and what I want and, and becoming who I am. Um, so, so in a, a sense, I think this, these two aspects of Ignatius's life, the, the pilgrimage and the tapping into one's deepest desires, um, I think speak to the people of, I suppose the West today, um, in kind of quite a profound way. 
the big challenge for Ignatius, he's saying, well, actually, you know, your life is not your own. The, the destination of this pilgrimage is not yours to choose. Um, and if you want to find contentment and peace uh, and discover who you are, then you need to, um, to accept that kind of God is the destination. Mm-hmm. One of the, um, mm-hmm. so St. So Ignatius puts this um, in what, what he calls the principle and foundation. He says that the, you know, the, the reason we're here is to praise reverence and serve God in this life and to save our own souls. Our own souls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and mm-hmm. it, it's, it's kind of put by a, a Frenchman called Leon Blois, uh, who Pope Francis mm-hmm. quotes, I, I think kind of in a, in a way that's more accessible today. And he, so Blois says that the only real sadness, the only real failure, the only great tragedy in life is not to become a saint. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I suppose in this pilgrimage of life, in our deepest desires, that which will satisfy both is the mm-hmm. desire to want to become a saint. Mm-hmm. That's the reason parishes exist. That's the reason Catholic schools exist, to persuade people to want to become saints. And, and being a saint means following those little yellow arrows, those, 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 those really authentic, deep desires um, that might sit uncomfortably with me in some yep. way. But, but ultimately are pointing me towards God and God's will. And then also, you know, to, to take that, that theme of providence uh, and God's, God's providential care of us, when, when we're f- to realize that when we're following those arrows, when we are following that path in some way, we, we belong to God. He's, he's taking care of us because we're, we are his. Like he, um, we're, we're his children. And... Uh, yeah, just like those those two two questions, I think are really fundamental questions, uh, which is and it's good for people to ask. Okay, what do I want? And and Jesus leads. It's the first words that Jesus begins with that Jesus speaks in the Gospel of John. One well, one translation is he says to the disciples or Andrew and Bartholomew, "What what are you looking for, mm-hmm. or or what do you want?" Uh, it's it's a really really key question. And and then the other one is, uh, "To whom do you belong?" To whom do you belong? And again, you know, uh, you get that at the end of the Gospel of John, uh, I am yours and you are mine. Um, so, so what do you want and to whom do you belong? I think, I think there, you know, when you, when, you, when you come through a pilgrimage experience, you've got better answers to those questions. It's like, wow, you know, I, I, I want this, not this. You know, I want to follow this path. And I do have a sense of, of belonging to God, that God has been caring for me as as his own you know um all the way through this yeah i think so so follow follow the arrows and god will yeah. find you i think that's yeah. the key so you, if you sit, yeah. i would say to anyone you know sort of make your life a pilgrimage you know uh, mm. sit off on the road um right. and on the road god will find you he will call yeah. you by your name and then you will know who you are yeah yeah beautiful beautiful okay uh so you're you're going to be talking to some school students uh, here in Dublin, Eamon? Uh, uh, I hope team. so. I hope so. Yeah, yeah um, all going well. All going well, yes. Yeah, and and you you've already spoken to to to, to school students on this already. I have you? indeed. So um, yeah. So the mission is based in Birmingham. So myself and Mikhail Ahmed, who is a Jesuit novice brother for the British province, we visited mm-hmm. St. Aloysius uh, College in Glasgow, Stonyhurst College in Lancashire. Uh, and Mount St Mary's College in I think North Derbyshire. Um, mm-hmm. It's near Sheffield. I'm sorry if I don't know where the county is. Uh, mm-hmm. Three fantastic uh, Jesuit Catholic schools, 
um, and and yeah, the the young people were very receptive. Yeah, yeah, uh, and so 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 they they appreciate this this angle on life. I think so. Um, I think that because you know, what we're talking about, you know, is something that that, that is a question everybody has. Yeah. And, and and the way in which we do talk about it is quite personal. Um, yeah. You know, God calls us in a very personal way. And yeah. sometimes it may be in a school environment. It's a very professional environment, which is right and good. But but whenever it's the bits and pieces of somebody's life that aren't on show in a classroom, mm-hmm. for example, uh, you know, I think mm-hmm. people are often interested in that because it's it seems authentic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just relating this in my head. I'm relating this back to to yesterday's gospel for the second Sunday of Lent, which was the Transfiguration. And I'm in that in that gospel passage. I'm always struck by how God the Father says when speaking about Jesus, He says um, to the people, "Listen, listen to Him." Mm-hmm. And okay, obviously, when when Jesus walked the earth, He you know we people could listen to His human voice. You know his his words are transmitted to us through through scripture, and and we can read them and we can listen to them that way. But in another way, you know, Christ speaks to us in in the depths of our being, yeah, through His Holy Spirit. And there, you know, to listen to Him uh, now today, it it means you know I think finding a holy place. Um, you know that the mountain of the Transfiguration was was a holy place. And I think I think it's yeah. There's there's an invitation there for people to to find their to find their holy place, whether that be a, you know going on a pilgrimage or it could be going for a walk on the beach or you know in the mountains or going into your church or whatever. But 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 finding that that holy place where where pe- where God is before you in a way, or God is the destination, and and listening, you know, and listen listening to Him, listening for uh, for for that that little whisper. Uh, within yourself that whatever that little that little yellow arrow i really like that image and and paying attention and um i think i think that's a really good thing for young people to to hear today it's not you know in in a school you're you're always listening to i suppose the teacher uh, getting you know taking in all that information but but really um that sort of external information uh, trying to trying to cram it into your head and but but really what you know at some point in life you have to you have to listen to yourself and and listen to how God is whispering within you, and that's that's what leads you on the adventure. Yeah, I think so. Um, there's a, a Jesuit, Greg Boyle, um, who's kind of quite famous in the states. He he founded Homeboy Industries, um, mm. which works with former gang members, um, and he has a wonderful uh, expression. He says, "Be who you is." <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Be who you <laughs> is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, can you do that in the American accent? I cannot Be do accents. I'm afraid. <laughs> Sure, I'll listen. Dave, I'll get Dave to do it next time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be who you is. Yeah, uh, and 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 it takes and it takes courage to do that. I think so, and also to, you know, as we've been talking about, often who we are is not who we who we think we are, or even who we wish we were. Yeah, yeah, just who you are. Because we are all called to be saints, um, and when we realise that and when we want that, yeah, then we'll be following the arrows. Amen. Eamon, thanks a million for for sharing so generously uh, your your story and and your path so far. And 
Um, again, I'm just I'm delighted you have uh, the novice master has sent you here to to Dublin for for the month. And yeah, may you can may God bless you abundantly as you continue to follow those little yellow arrows. Thank you for having me on, Niall. It's been a pleasure. God bless. Okay, take care, everyone. Bye now. Bye.